Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as usual, is my friend Coles. Hello, hello. To the people, it's been like five or six days since they've heard us, Coles, but to you and I, <laughs> it's been like two minutes. Um, we just got done recording our episode on Cruella, which was great, so if you have not had a chance to listen to that one yet, by all means, go backwards in your podcast feed and give that uh, a good listen, because it was a really great conversation, we thought, and um, give you some good likes and dislikes for why you may or may not want to check out Disney's new live-action film that is a reimagining of an animated classic. But, speaking of animation, this episode is about a new animated film as well from i want to say dreamworks i believe uh, yeah i think this is a dreamworks property uh, the film is spirit untamed it stars isabella merced julianne moore jake gyllenhaal marseille martin mckenna grace walton goggins Andre brower and isa gonzalez it is directed by Elaine Bogan and Ennio Torreson Jr., and it is their feature film debuts, so that is pretty awesome. It is written by Ari Wallington and Kristen Hahn, and it is based on the Netflix animated television series Spirit Writing Free, developed by Wallington, as well as a spinoff of a traditional animated film Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron from the, I want to say, early 2000s. At some point, I didn't go back and watch it, but I know that it exists. What is it about? Lucky Prescott's life is changed forever when she moves from her home in the city to a small frontier town and befriends a wild Mustang named Spirit. Okay, Coles, this is very much a kids' movie. We're gonna put that up front. This is not necessarily even a family film. This is, you know, skews in the direction that the series does, which it is for kids. So I want everybody to take everything we say with that in mind because you need to understand that. Because if you go into this movie and you're expecting it to be for you, it's really not for you. And the choices that are made are made not with you in mind. And so if you're upset about that, well, you need to watch it through a kid's eyes or you need to think about whether or not this film is going to hit the beats and do the things that it needs to do to be an effective, enjoyable, and if maybe a special kid's film or not. So just wanted to throw that little disclaimer out there before we get started. Kles, what did you like about it? Anytime you have a film where we're dealing with animals, it, it, it's nice to see animals are treated with respect. And I know often, you know, at the end of each credits of films where animals and we always see, hey, no animals were harmed during the making of this. But I like films that deal with animals from a personal level, that, that tap into the spirit of what it means to be a four-legged creature out in the wilderness. You know, oftentimes... We see these animals and they're used for a purpose. They're used for either this person to ride on or they're used for like a way to like spur somebody to get revenge on someone. But it's nice to see that spirit, which is a horse that is almost the protagonist of this film outside of Lucky. We see that this is a horse. Everybody complains that he's a wild spirit. Like, you know, we can't tame him. We can't we can't bring him out of control. He's a crazy horse. That's what gets told. But we see that this is just a horse that wants to be out in the open, be out in the wild. You know, he's not somebody that is a horse that's going to want to be tied into a barn all day, you know, and used for just for sport or used for show or used for kids to just see and gawk at. Like, no, this, horses have feelings, too. You know, uh, they they have a family. They want to be out in the wide open space. 
of the earth, which they're blessed to have, you know, eat grass and just and just let their hair <laughs> and just let their hair loose and everything. And, and I love that this film, it made me really care about the horse. It made me care about the animals. And I think that Lucky, the girl that we follow, she is a good protagonist to have. I, I mean, she's a girl that's dealing with tragedy. She's dealing with a tragedy in the family and she's almost coming into her own, own learning how to be, you know, a young girl in this world and learning a lot of tough life lessons and seeing that just because you have tragedy doesn't mean that it should short circuit or stop you from doing what you want to do. You know, there's early in the scene, we see that her mother gives this message of always be fearless, you know, and of course, be fearless. That means, hey, live life and like do what you want to do without being afraid. But we always know that there are going to be some things that do make us scared. There are going to inspire fear in us. But I think the biggest benefit is knowing that you had that fear and moving through it and still being able to accomplish your goals or conquer something. And this film is pretty much a journey of lucky being able to conquer a lot of things, not just her, you know, going against these um <laughs> these criminal ranch hands that are looking to take away spirit and use him to rob trains and everything, but also for her getting closer with her dad, you know, learning who her mother was and learning that, hey, living in this small town, hey, you're going to find a lot of friends that feel the way you feel, that think the way you feel. You're actually going to feel more closer to people than instead of living in this um this big mansion and you know being from a family that has a lot of riches you know sometimes it's not always about that sometimes it's about the people who are closest to you and sometimes it's about the bonds you have with an animal and like we said before you know this is not something that as an adult you know I would necessarily sit down and be like hey you know I'm gonna watch Spirit I'm Tame but for a kid that's growing up and as looking for a good film to role model and to be as a building block for the way they should live their life, I think that Spirit Untamed will do the job. Now, is it something that I would say is, you know, a masterpiece? No, but I think that it gets the job effectively done as a kid's film. I would agree with you. I think that that's very well said. I think that it's a sweet story. And really, you know, it's about this girl who you know, learns about her mom who has passed away through others and she's trying to find out who she is in relation to her mom's own history they have this connection of both of them you know having been drawn to horses and and loving them and so i mean i understood the character from that aspect and really getting to see her interact with her father and kind of reunite with him it was a mixed bag for me because part of me hates the fact that she was ever away from him in the first place from a story perspective i disagree with i don't like that and it just it didn't work didn't sit well with me but i like seeing them together when they now that they are back together uh speaking of jake gyllenhaal the dad it's amazing to me and uncanny how much jake gyllenhaal the animated dad looked like jake gyllenhaal like <laughs> i mean i think all of these characters did a decent job of like looking like they were like cartoony versions of the act actors that were voicing them. McKenna Grace as well really looks like McKenna Grace <laughs> um, in this film. So I don't know. That was kind of fun. The voice acting of Walton Goggins as a villain. I mean, 
you cannot go wrong making Walton Goggins your villain, I don't think, especially in a movie where he's got to be some sort of like a cowboy or in a Western type of vibe. He just is so, <laughs> like, just dialogue chewing, you know, uh, it feels like he's always got a dip in his mouth, and he just, he fits that character perfectly. Um, there's not a great, a lot of great dialogue in this film, but like he and his voice, I think, help make that character the right level of kid-friendly menacing, is the way I would put it. There's a really cool montage scene in this that I enjoyed where their Lucky is training spirit for the first time. It gave me um, a bunch of smiles. It was, it was joyful. And just watching her bond with the horse. Like you said, I like seeing people with animals that they have relationships with as an animal lover, like we both are with pets. And so you, it's hard to go wrong there. Um, there's a little kid in this that has a great little comedic bit that is reoccurring. It's not overdone, which I appreciate. Um, he rides a baby donkey named Senior Carrot, and it just, I couldn't stop laughing every time I saw Senior Carrot on screen. Uh, and it's brisk. It is under 90 minutes, okay? This is like an extended, it's like three episodes of a kid's show put together, and that's intentional. And I think that it was just enjoyable enough having sort of a classic Western adventure dumbed down for kids and simpl simplified for kids, but yet it maintains some of the, the Western-y tropes as well. Um, I think it was, you know, enjoyable enough that I didn't mind it at all. I never was looking at my phone going, what's the next mo thing I'm going to be doing? I watched it and I was engaged with it. And yes, I forgot it right away. Um, and I don't care about it. And that's fine. It's not for me. But I think had I been watching it with a seven year old girl who is in that phase of her life, like every girl goes through, it seems like where they're in love with horses. They almost all seem to have a phase where they are like horses, right? So many girls do. And so if you're with a child that is in that phase, then they're going to love it, right? They're going to love this. And I think getting to watch that as a parent and watch your child enjoy the crazy jumps and the crazy things that Spirit does in the movie and just the relationship building between the kids and their horses, to me, that's almost better than the movie itself is if you're experiencing it with your own kid that loves it. So that's where I would put this movie at. Is there anything you didn't particularly like about it? Oh, no, there's nothing that I didn't particularly like about it. Um, I'm just going to piggyback off what you said. I, it's just one of these films where, you know, 10 years down the line, I'm still going to be talking about it. No, you know, but you're not going to remember it came out. You're not even going to know it exists. You're going to be like, what? Yeah. I, wa I watched that. Oh, letterbox says I did. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I, I like for people just to understand that sometimes if a movie, if you can sit down and watch a movie from front to back and not have that feeling of wanting to turn it off or wanting to leave your seat or feeling bored by it, then sometimes that's good enough. You know, we, you know, every film that comes out is not going to be great. It's not going to be memorable. You know, sometimes people are just going to make films that are good for those one-time experiences and that's all good. And as far as for the kids, yes, I would definitely put this on for um, <laughs> my kid, you know, just have them sit right there and just watch it and that would be fine. You know, if I had a kid, um, but hey, I had no problems with this. I mean, it gets the job done. I, also, I wanted to point out, I like the way that the new DreamWorks logo looks. 
books, you know. Now, of course, I was pining for some nostalgia because yeah. of the of seeing Shrek back in the day and seeing the old DreamWorks logo. But I like the way the new the new visuals are for it. It's definitely spruced up. That's good. That's good. Um, it's interesting you mentioned visuals. Visual visuals? What is a visual visual? <laughs> visuals. A visual. <laughs> it's like vi- it's like a visual vegetable. Um. It's interesting that you mentioned that visuals because for me, the one thing that I would say I didn't love about this movie is its visuals and its style. And I'm guessing it's in the same style as the TV show. I didn't get a chance to go check this out. But the animation, it feels and looks extremely plastic playset to me. (laughs) I mean, it looks like it's made to compare perfectly to the thing that you're going to see on the, well, I was going to say Toys R Us shelf, but I guess they don't exist anymore. But like, you're going to see on your Amazon website shopping list. Um, but it looks like that. It looks kind of like a Lego playset to me in a lot of ways. The facial expressions of characters don't have a ton of definition and a ton of expression. There's only so many lines that they use within their faces. And so it, I don't know. The backgrounds are the same. They're kind of repetitive at times. Like if you see a tree off in the background, it looks very much like somebody just copy and pasted that same tree four or five or six times in a row to make a forest. There's not, it's not a Pixar movie, right? Kind of background look mm-hmm. to it. Um, so it was, it was very, very, very generic to that um, from a visual standpoint for me. I'm sure it's just fine again for kids, but I was like, eh, okay. Um, and then the other thing that had me laughing, and I, I'm not really, this is not really a dislike, so it's unfair to put it even in this section, but I, to mention it, is it is extremely, extremely on the nose with everything in its words. Mm-hmm. And that's that's because of the audience it's going for. When you have a character named Lucky slash Fortuna, you have a character named Prue for Prudence, these things are matching up with character traits intentionally. You have some locations called Heck Mountain and the Ridge of Regret. <laughs> so, so that's what you're dealing with here. And if you, you know, are not, if you're not into that, um, you know, so be it. But anyway, I, I didn't, there's not much I didn't like about it either. I thought it was a, a really fun, sweet little film. So the Spirit Untamed movie will be in theaters on June the 4th. What's your recommendation for this? Theaters, wait for it. Or no thanks. I'm feeling it, but I would wait for it. it, it it's not a theater film that's very engaging or is very bombastic. Um, maybe if the kids are pining to see something and they haven't been to the theaters in a long time, then yes, I would take them to go see this. But I'm feeling it. But I would just wait for it. <laughs> I, hey, I like it. Hey, this is two episodes in a row that, in a sense, you've uh, dropped some Hamilton needle drops. You just said you'd wait for it. <laughs> and then I think you said something about writing your way out in the Cruella episode. So it's like, <laughs> you're like secretly over here dropping Hamilton lyrics. Um, I <laughs> would say if you are a parent in desire to take your kids to the theater for a movie of that age, you know, early elementary age or whatever, for some reason, if that's what you want to do, this is your movie to go see in the theater. Uh, I don't think it needs it by any stretch of the imagination. So I would not do that. I would say, yeah, it's based on Netflix animated TV series. Clearly it plays just fine on Netflix eventually when it gets there. So yeah, I, I don't think it's necessary. It's worth the money. And I mean, very few specific people would, would need that 
but it's still a good movie. So if you're looking for that, then here's your film to go see. Yeah, I think absolutely worth waiting for to come to your streaming service. And heck, go check out the series because the series is apparently very similar. So if you are looking for some horse-related stuff for your kids, it's on Netflix. You can go check that out. Well, we wanted to do a little bit of extra here because we knew this was going to be a shorter review and we only have this one for you for this episode. So we thought we would drop a couple quick streaming picks. We're not going to go into depth with these in a conversational back and forth way because I actually don't even know what Kalesa is going to recommend and maybe I don't even like what he recommends or I haven't seen it and vice versa for him with my pick. So let's drop a couple of recommendations for folks. Why don't we? M. Night Shyamalan, most people only recognize him for The Sixth Sense, and understandably so, because it's a great film, but not many people have paid attention to the film he released right after The Sixth Sense, which is Unbreakable, uh, and I like Unbreakable because this is deconstruction of the superhero film, but it paints, it paints almost a Superman story as, what if Superman didn't realize he was Superman, and they put this story, instead of the explosive visuals, instead of the colors, instead of the costume, we're in a mid-sized city in America, and we're following this guy named David Dunn, who is a security guard who survives a massive train accident. And he's the only survivor out of 200 people. So this sets off a chain of events where we start to realize that this guy is more superhuman than all of the other people around him, and how does he deal with this? You know, especially with some of the um, past trauma that's happened in his life. And now this film has everything that you would see from a superhero film. It has a hero, it has a villain, and it has a journey of the hero realizing he is the hero. But it's not draped in, you know, a $200 million budget, which is actually a breath of fresh air for me. And I'm pretty sure for a lot of people out there who are maybe not privy to M- to the MCU, which this is not me dissing the MCU. I'm a big fan of the MCU. But for anybody who is looking for a superhero film that is outside of that realm and is more naturalistic and more realistic and more grounded and a very well-shot and effective drama, then Unbreakable is going to be your film. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime if you want to check it out. And I think... It might be a hot take, but I think it has a more effective twist than what The Sixth Sense was. Absolutely. Cosign, all of that. It's one of my favorites as well. Definitely up there as far as uniqueness in the superhero genre. It is very special. I actually was looking it up while you were talking. I could have sworn we had an episode on it. I have no idea how we don't. Sometimes It's Hmm. rare that I feel that way anymore because we've been going for so long. But yeah, I was like, oh, we have an Unbreakable. I need to go put that on the list to cover eventually. Um, so, yeah, I mm-hmm. absolutely would agree with you on Unbreakable. And for my pick, I'm going to mention a film actually recommended to me via J.B. Huffman, uh, one of our Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group members who was also on our Varsity Blues episode with us. He posted about this movie in the Facebook group a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, hey, this is like my favorite Keanu Reeves performance, and it's in this old 2001 movie about baseball that everybody forgot about. I had never heard of it. Me, I'm like a huge sports film buff. I love them. And yet I didn't know this even existed for some reason. And it's called Hardball. And the movie is, it's actually based on a real story. So it's inspired by the events of this guy. And I don't know which parts are dramatized or not, but in the film, Keanu's character has sports gambling problem. 
he is in debt to some people and he needs to make money fast. He is definitely spiraling out of control in his life. And he ends up, his friend gives him a job, essentially. He's like, I'll pay you 500 bucks a week, but you need to coach these kids uh, and their baseball team that I had been doing already. Um, I got to go out of town. And, it, and these kids are in the projects in South Chicago. And so it's a kid's an all black uh, kids team. It's a very um, African-American heavy league in general because it's the projects. This this league takes place in this area. And like I said, it's me. It's based on a true story of people who actually went into this area and brought baseball to these kids. And it's sort of like a riff on the Mighty Ducks meeting rounders in a lot of ways. I really fell for this movie. I thought it was very good. I could you know, go over like minimal issues I have with it. But the thing about this movie for me was even though I wrote this on on a Facebook or on Letterboxd, sorry, there is a world in which somebody watches this movie, especially in 2021, 20 years later, and goes, that's a white savior film. It's a white coach of an all black team trying to save them from their awful life in the projects because it's dangerous and they don't have dads and it's terrible. It's all these stereotypes about black people, essentially, that we have been shown in films for a long time. So I, I don't know that it is going to play as well for a lot of people in 2021 because of that. And I think those are fair things to consider when you're watching this. The kids also have a white teacher in Diane Lane, who's hot, by the way. Going to throw that out there. Old Diane Lane or young Diane Lane. Woof. But um, she is also, but the thing is, like, both of these characters for me, they're not there for themselves. Yes, Keanu's character in this movie is there to make money to pay a debt, right? But ultimately, he doesn't see them as a bunch of black kids. He sees them as kids who he doesn't have any experience being around. But he never sees them with color in mind, essentially. Like, he doesn't, he, he's not trying to get better at being racially accepting, he immediately like has so much in common with them and he starts to learn about their lives and he becomes like a friend to them really quickly. Like he, he just gravitates toward them. They gravitate, you know, to him and watching them get to experience baseball and, and especially the musical aspect that film has a great nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, hip hop and rap track to it. There's a phenomenal scene where Keanu at one point is like going through a bar with his hands raising the roof, singing, you know, um, notorious B I rapping notorious B B I G at the top of his lungs. So like, it's, it's really fun. And for me, it really hit me because in the end it becomes a story about people in areas and we're going to, you know, use the projects here that, Kids don't have this option, right? Like without this option of baseball, we see what can happen to people who can get caught up in the worst aspects of an area that they live in. And while it may be stereotypical in a way to like <laughs> project that all black projects are filled with crime and drugs and yada, 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 we get in this movie that they are also filled with absolutely loving parents who want their kids to learn and go to school first. And we see that happen and we see parents who want their kids to play baseball and we see kids who can't be on the baseball team fall into 
situations that are going to drastically change their life for the worse. And so in a way, it was very inspiring to me because it made me think about like how important it is to provide these outlets for people, whether it's projects or whether it's anybody in your local town who may not have the resources to experience something that could get them out of a bad situation, right? And so that's what the movie is really about. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's heartbreaking at times. Um, it's a lot of fun and it's got some good baseball stuff in there. Um, it, you know, it's a great for sports because there's sports betting going on and he's watching basketball. He's a Chicago Bulls guy. So he's betting on the Bulls games and stuff. Uh, and, and it's got Michael B. Jordan, a baby Michael B. Jordan, like pre Friday night lights, <laughs> little bitty Michael B. B. Jordan. Um, and it's just, I really, really liked it quite a bit. Um, so much so that I, JB talked me into doing a full episode on it. So I think we're going to do a full episode on it at some point in the next month or so. Um, because it's really good. It's on HBO Max streaming, which hopefully most of you have listening because HBO Max is amazing. It's one of Coles and I's absolute favorites. So I highly recommend it. Also, I wanted to add in there, Harbaugh was one of my favorite films growing up. And I like how you did acknowledge that, yes, if we look at it today, it's easy to say, yes, like Keanu Reeves, he's a white savior. And, you know, he's helping these these um poor little black kids, you know, play baseball. But it goes to show you that for many black kids that are living in, you know, these rough neighborhoods, you know, filled with crime, you know, economically deserted, you know, and, you know, just not much hope, you know, sports can be the hope for a lot of these kids. Sports can be the ticket out for many of these kids. And if it's not the ticket out, it can be something for these kids to do instead of like getting drawn into becoming, becoming, you know, a robber, a thief, or even a drug dealer. Like it gives you a goal. It gives you something to do. And while yes, it may not, it may not fix, or it may not even address the systematic, the systemic issues that are affecting the black community. I feel that this film really shows you the power of sport. We've been watching the NBA playoffs over this weekend, and honestly, I've hardly left the couch because it's very engaging to watch sports drama. And this film, you know, it's another one of these great sports films that don't get talked about a lot. And I'm glad that JB was able to bring it to your attention because I – I actually was shocked that you hadn't seen it before. I thought this was something that would have been on your um, long off your watch list. <laughs> I, I know it's, it's definitely up my alley, but that's why that's why I want to do an episode too, and I wanted to mention it here as much as possible because I want to like pay that forward and bring it to the masses as well. And so, hopefully, both of these films are great for that, right? Because M Night Shyamalan, while film fan circles definitely people know about Unbreakable. If you're listening to this uh, because you want to hear about the recent, you know new releases maybe you aren't that person and maybe this one slipped under your radar and it's it's one that absolutely can't slip under your radar because unbreakable is every bit as good or better than anything you've seen from marvel and dc um mm-hmm. and it's original we'll not talk about the sequels we'll just we'll uh yeah we'll just we'll just leave it leave it at that and with that uh we'll tune off so yeah that's it for us on this episode of ff plus Hopefully one of these films will pique your interest. We would love to hear what you think when you see them. So hit us up on Twitter at Feelin' Film or come join the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group. There is always a link in the show notes. We can chat there. We will be back soon. Until then, keep Feelin' Film. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. 
We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. But be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.